Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about Bald Men on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonzo Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking the biggest names in the sport. That's Bald Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Also, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offers exclusive content Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there will be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders. Kendrick Perkins, Tanea Gumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, my boy Woj, Ramona Sherborne, and many of the NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to the NBA Today wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to DC and RC. Um, today we start the show and we have to just send love to Daniel and his family. Daniel's mom, Audrey, uh, passed recently. Uh, I talked to Daniel yesterday. He said he was doing good. He said he was being strong uh, for the family. But I know he's embraced me as family here um, for the MMA world, uh, in the UFC world. And just from his support of me, I know what type of mother he had. I know what type of support he had throughout his life. And I know how much he loves those who are close to him. Uh, we understand how much this affects him, but it also affects us. When you see a brother hurting, when you understand uh, what he is going through, uh, your heart has to go out to him. Our prayers, our blessings, our condolences also go out to his entire family. We can't start a show. We can't do a show that is mostly about him, that he gives his all to without paying respect to what he means to us, but also what we understand he's going through. So many times we get wrapped up in sports and championship rings and championship belts. And I think people begin to see many of these fighters, many of these players as superhuman, uh, but that's not the case. We're probably more human than anyone else. We have more insecurities. We have more faults. We fight a, lot, a ton of adversity and you don't get through those things without the people that love you, without the people that support or support you, without the people that are going to stand in the crowd and cheer your name, whether you win or lose. And that's what Audrey was for Daniel. Daniel often says so many times it was that support. It was that love. It was that face that he did things for. And so for him now to have to bury his mom and, and put her to rest, we understand how large of a moment this is for him, how much of a toll it must take on him and his family and how responsible he'll be for all those around him. So to Daniel, we miss you, man. We love you. All of us from the top to the bottom are praying for you. We're praying for your family. Um, you get back to us whenever you can. We'll be waiting. We aren't going anywhere for right now. Take care of your family. Uh, take care of yourself. And we love you, brother. All right. So it's a hard segue. Um, we don't have DC this week. So like any other time, man, when you get to be on the big network, you bring in the big guns. And so this week, man, we have Rashad Evans, a dude who I already know knows about rivalries. He knows about folks being on the ultimate fighter, breaking down doors and being face to face, asking dudes, hey, what's happening? Do what you do without the gloves, without the octagon, without the ref, man. Rashad, bro, we just appreciate you joining us uh, as, as a fan. I'm just going to fan out for a little bit. As a fan, man, you're one of my favorite fighters of all time, man. It, it was the swag. It was the confidence, you know, from, 
from being on tough and fighting heavyweights to watching you, you know, have the belt and watching you fight Chuck Liddell. All of those things were just great memories for me, man. So it is truly an honor to have you join us today. Thank you, RC. I appreciate you, man. And that's what it means. It means a lot to me, man, to hear, you know, the impact that I had on other people just watching you perform. So big shout out to you. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. So bro, let's get right to it, man. Obviously, we got Kobe Covington, Jorge Masvidal coming up. You know what it is. It's Kobe, the, the bad boy. He's really the heel. He's the villain. And then we got Masvidal, who had worked himself into becoming a fan, a fan favorite. You know, Street Jesus, the, the knee to the head of Ashgren, putting people to sleep. And then he runs into Kamara Uzman twice, and a little bit of the shine wears off. But this rivalry has brought us back to having these dudes in the forefront. When you think about rivalries and fights in your life, I know you have to go back to Rampage and the way y'all two dudes were at each other and the motion of that. How does that affect, though, the way you approach the fight? Man, it can affect it a few different ways. You know, when I fought Rampage, uh, we had a big, big lead up to it, being that we were on the Ultimate Fighter show. Then we had that gap in between where he was doing a movie, but then we had to build it back up. So... You know, it was a long buildup for the fight, which kind of added to the rivalry and everything in between, because in that in-between time, we got a chance to see each other like out in life. You know, I've seen him a couple of times at the club, you know, at a restaurant and every single <laughs> yeah. time. RC, listen, it was beef on site. One time he got me kicked out of the club because of the beef. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> so it was it was it was really, uh, really hectic a lot in that situation. But I would say in that fight, you know, leading up to it. It was a lot of stress, you know, having to give the sound bites at the media life. But at the same time, I'm fighting somebody I don't like. And very rarely do you actually fight somebody you don't like. So when you fight somebody you don't like, you have all those emotions that you do if the fight was to happen fast. You know, you have the huge adrenaline dumps. You find yourself, uh, you know, going out of breath very quickly. So the key thing that I learned during that fight was I had to stay emotionally detached from the situation enough to be able to allow myself to just perform the way I could perform. Because when you want to hit somebody hard, if you throw the punch with that intent to hit them hard and you try to, you know, really hit them hard, you're most likely going to miss that punch because you're mm -hmm. tensing up a little bit. You have to be relaxed. You have to be, you know, allow your punches and your combinations of flow and a good punch should just feel like a nice swing from a bat. You know, you don't really feel anything. It's just kind of like an effortless thing. So, I had to relax a lot before I had to fight him because I had that intent behind it. But it was me being able to divorce myself mm. enough from the emotion that allowed me to get the win. But when, when you are leading up to the fight and you, you mentioned making sure you have the sound bites that the media wants to use, but you actually have an emotion attached to those things. Is it a little bit draining to understand that it's not really only about what you two guys do in the octagon, that the, the more you build this fight up, the more eyes that get on this fight, the better for you. So are you intentionally focused on making sure the buildup to the fight actually matches the fact that y'all two dudes don't like each other? Well, I mean, the buildup to the fight, it, it kind of takes over once you don't like each other. You know what I'm saying? Once you don't like each other, that, that gets exploited a lot. And you, you know, you, you start to hear it in a lot of things that your opponent says, and then I started to, you know, touch you a certain kind of way. But more importantly, it's the other people coming into your equation, your friends, your family, everything. And like, oh, man, I heard that Rampage said this. And they'll yeah. you know, send you an article that he said or, you know, send you a soundbite that he said from an interview. And, you know, 
they're they're fully invested in the beef. You know what I'm saying? So they keep on bringing that to you, even when you're just trying to make it about just the fight and the X's and O's about the fight. They keep bringing you back to the beef of it. So you have those times where you're like, you know what? All right, this is just another opponent. But then you find yourself getting pulled back in it when the people around you, whether it be your family members or the media in general, just keeps on asking you those questions that just inflames the situation. So what happens? When is it the time where, where you finally understand, OK, the fight's been built. Everybody understands how I feel about Rampage. And now it's truly time for me to just focus on winning. Because if you look at Masvidal and, and, and Covington, it seems that especially now, like it was different for you. Now the coverage of the UFC has taken it to a whole nother level, right? You, yeah. You're on with, with Stephen A. Smith getting an opportunity to talk and there's podcasts and there's different, different interviews. When do these dudes start to get kind of narrowly focused and tunnel vision on, okay, what I have to do Saturday night is of the utmost important importance and now i have to let some of this stuff on the outside the peripheral the 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 people coming to me telling me what he said that junk has to go because now i'm going to be in the octagon with a man that wants nothing more than to see me carried out of the octagon and not walking out well see uh it's a, it's a complex problem because up until the last weigh-in picture where you guys are up there uh facing each other you have no choice but to be in a confrontational with the person that you do not like at all. So up until that point, you're nose and nose with the guy. I would say after that, after you do the weigh-ins and you go your second mm -hmm. way and you kind of go eat, lunch, eat dinner with your family or whatnot and find whatever you need to do to recoup, I would say that is when you start making the separation to be like, you know what? I'm just worried about the execution and I'm going to yeah. allow myself to just kind of purge of all these emotions and do whatever you need to do to purge to watch those emotions, rather be watching a movie, rather be, you know, find a pillow and scream in it, whatever the case may be, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, but for real, RC is whatever helps you just dispels <laughs> the emotion, yeah. because what happens is, is the fact that the next day on fight day, when you have at least eight hours or so to sit and just think about the fight, those thoughts and those feelings will run amok in your mind and they'll start, yeah. you know, taking you down a path of, of what ifs, what if this happens? What if this happens? And pretty soon right. you have yourself so worked up with the what if story that you're not you're not really allowing yourself to get the rest that you need before you compete. So I like to at least divorce the feelings that I'm having the night uh, after the weigh-ins, after the weigh-ins, okay. the last time I see them, because it's, it's really hard to do that before then. You can do a little bit every single day, but like, you know, when you're seeing a person face to face and you build this person up, in your mind for the last eight or 10 weeks, you know, it gets really right. hard to, to just really, you know, stop it all of a sudden, you know, you got to find yourself to wean your way out of it. Yeah. So, so you and Rampage, bro, y'all have been in restaurants. He didn't got you kicked out of the club. Y'all have <laughs> been on the ultimate fighter. You've been waiting for this. And you're kind of talking about purging yourself of all those things. When you are on that walk to fight Rampage, what's your, what is your mindset, bro? Like, what are you thinking? Are you only like, okay, this is how I have to be technical, right? I know when he rocks here and he dips this shoulder, that's when the left hook comes. Or are you still in your mind like, hey, bro, if when I get my hands on, dude, he got to see me. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both of those emotions. Like, like you're, you're driven by the fact that, all right, this is the moment that you're waiting for. And, you you know, by that chance, you got a chance to see your opponent walk out to the cage, whether he's already there waiting for you or you're already in the cage and he, you're watching him walk out. You're starting to see like, OK, this is the moment that I'm waiting for. But then at the same time, 
in your mind, you know that, okay, you know, you're thinking about the X and O's. Okay, when he throws this, this is what I need to do. And that's what you're starting to think about. So it's like a marriage of both of those, uh, both of those kind of thought patterns. But you can't allow yourself to go too much in the emotional realm because then that'll make you get tired really, really fast. You have a huge adrenaline dump and you will have right. a terrible, terrible first round or a terrible first few minutes of the round if your opponent's not having the same like adrenaline dump. Right. And so, you know, that that rampage rivalry was it was a little different than what we're talking about now. This is friends, former teammates, all of these things, training partners. You had the same situation with John Jones. Does that type of animosity or does that type of history play a little differently emotionally, especially when there is some bad blood there? Well, it's not like this. It's not like, you know, Francis Ngannou, uh, Cyril Gan, where they weren't really training partners. Like they crossed paths one day. But when you've been in the mud with somebody, bro, and you really know intimate details about who they are as a person, that changes how you view them. So was the rivalry with John Jones different from what you had with Rampage? Yeah, the rivalry with John Jones is way harder. And uh, it was harder for a couple of reasons, you know, not only because, um, you know, I really took in a liking to John and, and we really had some really good training sessions and I really liked him as a training partner. But then you're on the other side of that, you know, he had the coaches who really, you know, helped me form into being the fighter that I was remembered for, you know, with Mike Winklejohn mm -hmm. and Greg Jackson. So that was another part of it as well, too. And then plus, you know, I had also the fact that, you know, I was in Albuquerque and I was like part of the family. I bought into the whole family team concept and everything like that. So when I was not there training, I felt as if like I lost my family as well, too. And, you know, spending half the year with these people just through training camps alone, you know, it, they, they really grew to me. And I knew these people for a long, I knew these people for a long time. So being in the situation where I felt as if they were against me, it mm -hmm. was it was a really hard process to go through. And then to, to, to you know, to feel as if they did that for John, it was right. just it just kind of added insult to injury. So there was just kind of no avoiding that stain, that that feeling that was just mm -hmm. so deep in my person. You know, I just kind of felt as if like I was just, you know, uh, just just mess with from a fundamental level of just who I am as a person, you know? Did it almost, did it almost seem to you, it was like an either or thing, you know, that you have to pick Rashad or you have to pick, pick John and they chose him over you. Was that something you were dealing with? And if so, how did you, how did you maintain not thinking to yourself, I'm fighting everybody. You know what I mean? I'm going to prove it to, to everybody that that's the wrong way to go, that that was the wrong pick, that I am the guy, that I am everything that I proved I was even before this match was made. Yeah, I definitely felt exactly how you how you were saying, you know, I felt as if like, um, you know, they, they didn't believe in me anymore. You know, they're yeah. passing me up for the younger guy, you know, uh, and uh, was only looking at, you know, his highlights and those things like that. And they were really putting him in a position of being the kind of person or carrying the kind of character, which I was. And it, and it bothered me at such a deep level uh, that I did feel as if like everybody turned it back on me. And, and I did bring that emotion into the fight, you know, feeling as if like, you know, I have a lot to prove. Even when I was trained in training camp, it was just like, I'll try to do something a little bit harder, a little bit more, a little bit longer, just because I felt as if like I had everybody against me and, and not having them in my camp uh, and they knew they, they I mean, they, they brought me up so they know everything about my game. You know, I just kind of felt as if like, 
you know, they, they, they traded me in for somebody who, who wasn't even worth it, you know? So it was, it was just such a level of betrayal that it got really hard to wipe away. Do you feel like the, the guy that's still training with his original camp, the guy that still has that familiarity that has those people around him who have really watched him grow and also on the other side can look at his opponent and say, I know his strengths. I know his weaknesses. I know the way he focuses when it's coming into fight night. Do you think the guy that gets to stay with the original camp that is with the camp that really brought him into the game has an advantage over someone like you, or I guess in this case, Kobe, who are no longer with those camps? Well, it all depends on how stagnant that camp is. You know what I'm saying? Okay. There's not a lot of movement or not a lot of uh, uh, interesting things happening at camp, then the camp can right. be a product of just- if they don't have people in and out or- Right. They don't yeah, have, like, I got you. Yeah. Like what, what makes a camp very effective is the fact that you have different people coming in with different kind of technique and just kind of different nuances that brings the camp level up. You know, every once in a while okay. you have somebody coming to camp that- you know, have a different background and they bring different tools and pretty soon everybody has to adjust to what they're doing. So, you know, that, that keeps everything fresh in the gym. That keeps the coaches sharp because what happens a lot of times is coaches been doing this for so long. So they, they teach the same technique over and over again. You know, you start doing the same practices and all over mm-hmm. and over again. And if you're not trying to go outside of your box and really bring something or new tools to the table, you're not getting any new tools brought to the table. So you can yeah. find yourself in a very stagnant situation being in the same camp and now being outside of the camp coming okay. in, you know, having a new situation like Kobe, you know, you have a new, you have a new freshness about everything. You have coaches that wants to do things differently. You have coaches who study your old fighting style and they want to change this or, you know, maybe leave some things. But at the end of the day, you're having a lot of newness coming to your camp. So the, the winner of that fight is the person who can be the most different than the last time those two teammates face each other. Right. And you talked a little bit about, you know, feeling the, the betrayal when you are in the fight with John Jones. Is there ever any time you recall to maybe a training session or something you've seen him do while you guys were in the same camp and you try to take advantage of that? Or are you often worried while he's standing across from you? about trying to change simple nuances of your fight game. You know, because I play ball, right? I play football. And when I'd be working out with other safeties, even in the offseason who trained where I trained, you know, I'm sitting around like, hey, man, so when we get this formation, you know, you want to line up at 10 to 12 and make this move. And I was often scared that they're talking to their team during the week saying, yeah, like I talked to Ryan Clark in the offseason when he's 10 to 12 and he's on hash, he's going this way, he's going that way. Were you trying to change little things about yourself in the fight against John Jones or leading up to the fight against John Jones in order to kind of throw him off? Like, is he, if he's used to you, you know, maybe putting your left up before you throw a right or doing something simple like that, maybe trying to think those things, or do you just truly focus on you and not really necessarily worried about how he prepared with you because y'all had familiarity? Yeah, I, I, um, I tried to bring new things into the, into the fight. You know, I tried to do some things differently. I tried to, uh, you know, fight fight a little bit different than he last than he last remember how how my fighting style was, uh, and even the coaches in general. You know, I tried to put on a different pace. I, I tried throwing different punches and different combinations and things like that that they wouldn't really expect. You know, and I was able and I was able to catch him with a few things that they didn't expect. But overall, when it came down to it, I didn't do enough to make sure I I, I pulled from that 
that that bowl of, of, of things that they didn't know that I was able to do. You know, like mm-hmm. I felt as if like I went too much on the side of trying to be different versus trying to be effective. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And I think right. that when, when it comes down to it, you know, you you do what you do. And what you do is what makes you, you know, who you are. And for me, is what made me get to that level. So I need to go in there and I need to implement the game plan that got me to the dance. And, and I think that's one thing that got me out of that fight was the fact that I didn't bring that game that got me to the dance. So this is this this is the, the the million dollar question, bro. So we talked about two different rivalries that had two different reasons for being pissed off at the other guy, right? Yeah. More more evo- emotion involved in for you in the rampage fight or the John Jones fight. I'll say John Jones fight. The John Jones really? fight was just yeah, it, it was more it was more raw emotion. That fight right there. Uh, I, I remember. Um, just I just wanted the fight to be over with just because it was just so much energy I had to give to it. And I was just kind of stressed out about it. And uh, I remember when we first like locked up, like when we first came in contact with each other and we first started hitting each other, it's like we both almost fell over just from that exhaustion, had that right. adrenaline, you had that <laughs> adrenaline dump. And I can feel it because I was feeling weak in the knees, too. And I know he was feeling weak in the knees, too, just from the pressure of it all. And, uh, you know, as the fight went on, you know, those 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 nerves, they subsided and everything and went away and the fight just kind of took hold. But mm-hmm. up until that point, you know, where you're still cerebral, like, OK, is this really happening? It was it was agony. You know, it was like, man, I just want to just go to the point where I'm not thinking anymore and I'm just mm-hmm. reacting because that's that's what you train for. You know, you train for the fact that you can just totally just allow your mind to just go. And then you train and take over and you just react off of what you're seeing and what you want to do. So that's where I felt like I went wrong is I brought too much emotion into the fight. I wasn't I wasn't divorcing those emotions before I got into the cage with John and I went out there and showed and it showed. And so now we're going to we're going to take Rashad Evans out of it. Right. We're going to pull him from MMA history. We don't even care about the Hall of Fame career no more. None of that stuff. <laughs> we are pulling you from MMA history, bro. You you were never a UFC fighter. What is your all-time favorite MMA rivalry that you weren't a part of? Oh, man. I would say all-time favorite. I would say uh, the DC and John Jones fight. The DC hey, and John Jones. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. D- DC, DC and John Jones. I-, I love it because it has so much It has so much emotion in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though DC didn't get that win, I just, I just never went into that fight thinking that he wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And and even just like the whole buildup for it was epic when they got into a fight at the MGM, when DC grabbed the mic and said, John Jones, get your ish together. All yes, that. Man, that, yes. that was that was classic. You know what I'm saying? It was classic. And it gave me a lot of feels because I feel like a little bit of the burn that DC had for him was the burn that, you know, he, he carried for me because DC was a boy of mine at the time. Mm-hmm. Me and John Jones had our rivalry. Yeah. And so I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I love that one, obviously, because I think at that time, especially for for me, you know, when it went from from Chuck and Tito and Randy, it moved into the light heavyweights was always kind of the glamour, the glamour division, you know. And so you guys yeah. were always going at it and going at it. I think even though I love that one and this this is only one fight, Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo was great. to oh. Yeah, like just just because just because the way Connor was and the invincibility at that time that Jose Aldo walked around with, you know, you remember for that yeah. time he had lost in like a decade. 
you know, yeah. and then and then there's this brash Irishman and they go on the radio stations, bro. He's stealing his belt. And you could literally see Jose Aldo before the fight being like you could see it in his body language that, hey, bro, I'm going to sleep, dude. Like when we get out here, I'm throwing this left hook. And it was just that precise boom that got him out of there. And then the other one that was great to me, which made me love MMA was Tito Chuck. Uh, the, Tito and Chuck was, I mean, it's the thing that documentaries have been made for, bro. You know what I mean? Two two dudes who who knew each other well, who talked, you know what I'm saying? And and Chuck was becoming larger than life, but that was supposed to be Tito at the time. You yeah, know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and to see those two dudes fight and for them to be totally different, you know what I'm saying? Totally different in style, totally different in the way, way you looked at them. That was kind of one of those rivalries that made me say, okay, this sport is different, you know, because even though boxing at the time reigned supreme, those two fighters made the UFC and made the MMA, it gave you almost a little bit of soap opera mixed with blood. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that was <laughs> yeah. super dope, man. And so, like, we're kind of, bro, we're kind of back now uh, there with Jorge and, and Kobe, right? We have two yeah. fighters who are really good fighters. But their buildup and their relationship is what's kind of drawing a lot of people to this fight. And, you know, you were in the booth uh, this weekend and you were analyzing it this weekend. So put your analyst hat on right now. When you look at Kobe Covington, Jorge Masvidal, how do you see this fight playing out? Well, um, Kobe's going to try to use his most valuable weapon, which is his pace and his ability mm -hmm. to push people with wrestling. So I think that's what uh, Kobe's going to initially try to do. And listen, uh, Jorge knows that all too well. He trained with him all too well. So he knows how Kobe gets into that world. So he's going to try to keep the fight standing, try to keep Kobe on the outside and just really try to make a miss, play Matador on the bull. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a very hard game because one thing that Kobe does have, he has the ability to strike too. And he has great mm -hmm. progression with his punches, meaning as he punches, he moves forward and progresses and takes over an area and takes over turf. So I think... With the fact that he's able to progress with his punches and moving forward and he's not afraid to, to strike, he's going to get in there and he's going to wrestle and he's going to have Jorge contending a lot of these shots. Now, now listen, Jorge's not going to be easy to take down by any means, right. but with the persistence that Kobe can keep on pushing the pace, I think eventually he's going to be able to get him down and he's going to be able to grind him and wear on. But I mean, that, that, that's, what, that's what I see at the same time, but at the same time, there is Jorge with just this crazy change in temple explosiveness that he has mm -hmm. that can put you to sleep at any given moment, you know? So, you know, when, when you watch Kobe, especially over this, this stretch that has kind of shown that he's the, the second best, you know, welterweight in the world, when you think about his fights against Kamaru Usman, he didn't take a lot of shots. In the first fight, I don't know if he took any. In the second yeah. fight, as, as it got a little longer, you saw him taking some shots. And then he fought a guy like Tyron Woodley, where actually that's what made me think about when you said the pace and the wrestling. That was one of those fights where the pace was too much. Eventually, yeah. he gets him to the ground and, and cracks and cracks his rib. What does what does Jorge Masvidal have to do to, one, keep the fight on its feet, but also find a way to land that punch on Kobe that changes the fight? Because... Kamaru has, you know, has hit Kobe with some serious shots. You know, in the first fight, he breaks his jaw and takes him out. The second fight goes to a decision. Do you see a place 
where Jorge Masvidal finds the space in the spot and has the explosion to get the knockout of Kobe Covington this weekend. Well, if, 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 if uh, Masvidal is going to do it, he's going to have to, you know, put Kobe on his heels. You know, a wrestler mm-hmm. can't take a shot when he's backing up. You know, he can, but it's not ideal for a wrestler to take a shot when he's backing up because if he's backing up and the guy's moving forward, he's going to take a shot on, and then he's going to try to go forward. The guy's going to be able to see it more often, but he's also going to be able to counter with something up the middle or an, uppercut or an uppercut or get out of the way. So in order for Jorge to get this win, he's going to be have to be on point with his footwork. His footwork is going to have to be point work, uh, on point. He's going to have to watch the area, you know, be very mindful where he's at because you see that black line that goes around the outside of the cage? That's mm-hmm. six feet before the black line. Now, as a okay. grappler, if I get somebody within that six feet of before the black line, I can do whatever I want and then put them against the wall. You know what I'm saying? Stall them for a second to put them against the cage and then work my way down. So Jorge is going to have to be very careful to make sure that his back is to the center of the cage. He has great footwork. And at the same time, he's using his fakes and his feints. And the reason why he's using his fakes and his feints is because he needs to draw out the reaction of what okay. Jorge, of what, uh, what Kobe's going to do. And also put some pressure on not allowing Kobe to feel comfortable. You know, those are the kind of things that's going to make him stay at the at, at the top of, uh, of what's going on. If he's not, then that means he's going to be reacting. And if he's reacting, that's a bad place to be in there with Kobe because Kobe's too busy to be reacting to anything he does. Man, I love the way you, you finished that. You talked about, uh, you know, being on top and, you know, re- reacting. One guy that's been on top of all of his opponents and has made sure they had to react to what he's doing is Islam Makachev. And, and you got an opportunity to watch him this weekend against Bobby Green. What, if anything, did we learn about Islam this week? And do you think we've seen enough the last 10 fight win streak uh, dominating Bobby Green, submitting Dan Hooker extremely early? Do you think we've seen enough that says he deserves a title shot in the next fight as well? Um, well, I mean, I think what we learned is the fact that, you know, he, he's definitely ready. I think we learned that he's definitely ready. I mean, listen, the, the, the test truly is when you're willing to fight anybody, but then when you're not only willing to fight anybody, but then you go in there and make everybody look as if like they're nobody, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's, and that's a true mark that, okay, this guy is, is, is on the level to be at the top. And, you know, he, he's, He's got he's separating himself from the rest of the pack. You know, what he did this weekend was 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 beautiful. You know what I'm saying? He went, went there with a guy of short notice, dangerous striker, uh, you know, and a very game fighter at that, too. But he went in there. He took him in his world, took him down and made it very, very simple. And I think he has shown us he's shown us all that we need to know to to be able to say, you know what? He deserves a title shot because, you know, what makes you think that someone's not ready is when they haven't won against certain styles. Mm-hmm. You know, Makashev is winning against every single style, all kinds of different strikers, all kinds of different grapplers, everything that you can mix it up in a weight class. And he's passed the test. Not only did he pass the test, he passed the test with flying colors. You know, so he, he definitely is um, title contention worthy. And now he's starting to show more of his personality. He's starting to right. show more of who he is as a person. So now it's becoming very interesting to have him in the spot because he's he he knows how to talk. He knows how yeah. to get in front of the camera and he knows how to sell himself. So I think it's definitely time. What do you think about him, Shot? Just right, like just finished fighting, beating Bobby Green. They're like, hey man, I'll fight RDA too. 
What do you think about a dude that's willing to put himself out there for, for any fight, any guy, and feel like he can win? You know, it's, it's a throwback to, to, to how it was before, you know, the consequences of fighting took over. By that, I mean this. You know, when we first started fighting, um, you know, I was game to fight everybody. But as mm -hmm. success came and all the different things that came attached to it, you know, I was like, well, more, a little bit more reserved because now I want to pick my fights. I want to make sure that I got the right opponent, you know, because it's all about staying in that position, you know, and, 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 and you have a certain amount of fear of what if I lose, you know what I'm saying? You have right. that what if I lose thing happen because you don't want to lose the spot where you're at. But when you're looking like, looking at a guy like Islam, who's willing to fight anybody, you're looking at supreme confidence. Not only that, yeah. you're looking at a supreme athlete who's, who's ready and willing to take it to anybody and really feels in his heart and soul that he's truly the best. And it's a guy who truly loves fighting and, and is going to look at no matter who steps into that cage as if they're food. Yeah. And, and he's shown that a lot of times, bro, he eats them up. Man, Shad, like I said, bro, when we were talking, I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, you were somebody who made me love uh, the MMA world, mixed martial arts. You you made me love the UFC. And I'd be lying if it didn't feel good to be able to cut the TV on, bro, see somebody that looked like me, uh, that was a dog, that was about wrestling, that was about striking, but also carried himself uh, the way you did, man, throughout your career, even now that you dip your foot back into the career, but you're also being an analyst, man. You make you make us all proud, bro. And I just appreciate you coming on the show and you know spending some time with me, bro. I couldn't have done it without you, man. So thank you so much. Thank you, RC. I appreciate you. And I love the show that you and DC doing, man. It's very you, dope, man. And I check out quite a bit. So I appreciate you. Hope to be on again sometime. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate it. And, you know, guys, Rashad was on uh, because we didn't have DC today. You know, we started the show uh, by sending our blessings and, and our prayers and our condolences to him and his family. I think the other thing I want to say is, man, like this show is not the same without Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier shows up for this show no matter what he has going on whether it's preparing to call fights, being a great father to his children, or even training the wrestlers uh, that he coached. Uh, wow. DC is absolutely amazing. Uh, we know what you're going through, man. Uh, not many of us can put, put ourselves in your shoes, but we know the people you're taking care of. We know the way that you felt about your mother, Audrey. Uh, we know how much she meant to you, but we also know how strong that you are. How strong you'll be for your wife, how strong you'll be for your kids, how strong you'll be for your siblings, for all the other people in your family. Uh, today felt a little empty without you, bro. Um, the way that you've embraced me, uh, the way that you've taken me under your wing, just the simple loyalty and support you show constantly means the world to me. And so I know it means the world to your family in a time like this. Uh, we love you, man. We miss you like crazy. Uh, we want you back, but we ain't rushing you back. You take all the time you need to be the best you could possibly be, man, for yourself and for your family, because we know that's what your mother would have wanted. We'll see you soon. This is RC, the second half of DC and RC. We just appreciate y'all support. We appreciate y'all continuing to come here and allow us to do this show. Tune in this week, and hopefully next week we have DC back. Y'all keep him in y'all prayers. Thank you.